The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Hey, oh, it's Thursday. It's Fantasy NBA Today, ladies and germs. A big Wednesday in our back pocket. And we are cruising on the downslope now towards the weekend. I'm Dan Baspris. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody, at Dan Baspris on Twitter. This, of course, is a Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company and Hoop Ball presentation. Hoop-ball.com is the website at Hoop Ball Fantasy on Twitter. And you can check out our buddies at HawaiianIsles.com. H.I. Kona Coffee is their Twitter handle or just search for Hawaiian Isles on Amazon. Uh, really fun show coming up today. In fact, really two really good shows here to round out the week. We're going to talk to Pedro Doreste uh, shortly on today's program. He is one of our lead editors at Hoopball. I believe he's the assistant editor. Um, you guys might remember his previous appearance. We did some sort of stat trends and whether or not they're going to stick. So we're going to be doing more of that. He's got uh, nobody does more prep work for a podcast than Pedro. That is the ultimate compliment that I think you can provide for someone it's a fantastic segment that i've already recorded with him at the time of me now uh handling this intro and i think you're gonna get a lot out of it it'll it ties into stuff the the problem with the last one was that i had like nine guest spots that i was trying to slot in over the course of two weeks this one we recorded like 12 hours ago so it's there's no issue with evergreen it's uh it's it's right next to when it's supposed to be thank goodness uh, we'll also have, of course, a Wednesday breakdown. I'll be handling that myself uh, after Pedro and I talk. And we'll get you set up for the short Thursday card, uh, minim- minimalist basketball. We've got just four games coming up tonight. Uh, first things first on the podcast, we've been putting out a clarion call. We'll keep doing that. If you'd like to be a contributor here at Hoopball, and in particular, we are looking for team coverage, reality, not fantasy. I mean, you can you can work in fantasy angles if you so desire, But in general, this is real basketball coverage. You pay attention to a team, you watch their games, you analyze the X's and O's, you do podcasts about it, if that's your jam, or you write about it, if that's your jam. If you want to cover a team, come join us here at HoopBall. We've got, you guys probably know this already, we have six team podcasts and growing. We have a couple of team coverage beats and growing. Be a part of it as HoopBall expands from fantasy further into reality. It's a big deal. At Dan Baspris is the best way to get hold of me on Twitter, or you can send an email to teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Uh, just put team coverage as your subject line. Uh, I don't want to wait around too much. I mean, you guys know what we're, we've got coming up today, so uh, let's just jump in straight with uh, with our guest segment. It's it's a good one. Jumping into a fun little segment here that we did right near the start of the season, back when I literally couldn't remember my own middle name. So we're doing it again now, and I think I have a better handle on the world around me Pedro Doreste, back on the pod. What's up, man? How you been? I'm good here at sunny, sweltering Puerto Rico uh, for the holidays. That sounds great. Is it, it's really that bad, though? Uh, yeah. I mean, coming from Chicago, yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, you, well, you went from Arctic tundra to uh, tropical, so I guess that's something. Or subtropical? No. What is, what's the official, like, latitude... It, well, it doesn't matter. Uh, you can follow. I think Pe- it's tropical. Yeah, that's fine. We'll take. We'll, we'll roll with it. Uh, you can follow Pedro on Twitter at Pedro N as in Nancy Doreste. He is the assistant editor here at hoop-ball.com. He is making sure the words that you read are in the proper grammatical order. How'd I do there? Is that about right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That explain that sums up about a hundred percent of what I do. Yeah, hundred percent. I knew it. I got it all wrapped it up into one quick little sentence. It's so simple. Anybody could. No, obviously, I'm very kidding. Uh, you do things that I could never do in a thousand years, and yet here you are on a podcast with awesome information. Again, I don't know if people remember this. The last time that Pedro and I talked on the show, you had. This this treasure trove of sustainable and unsustainable stats and trends of players, and in the beginning part of the season, that's key stuff because you're making these these like life and death type fantasy moves. You've got kind of a redux on that now, so some more stats and trends that we can either believe or not believe. 
I'm on a I'm on a bender these days of trying to come up with fun names for segments, and I I don't have one yet. But uh, right now we're gonna sit on sustainable or unsustainable, and we'll figure something out on the fly. But Pedro, I'm turning it over to you. Where do you want to go with this uh, this this iteration of it? Should we start with something that is gonna stick, something that isn't? Is there some background we need to know? Uh, what's the good word? Well. In terms of a of a segment name, I, I'm thinking uh, "Where's my change?" or maybe something like that. But I don't know. You got to give me a couple of weeks to to uh, play around with those. But I uh, this week I wanted to kind of uh, do the same type of deep dive analysis, but also provide like more actionable uh, information for listeners. So I wanted to start with uh, sustainable, uh, but positively sustainable. That you know this this player is putting up certain stats, and we can uh, you know a- adjust or kind of like elevate their floors and ceilings based on their current production. Okay. Um, yeah. Should I just jump right into it? Yeah, let's dive right in. Okay, well, this uh, first player is currently hurt, but before getting hurt, Fred Van Vliet was putting up top 20 production. He's actually ranked uh, 17 right now in per game value in 9-cat. Um, he's posting career highs across the board, 18 points per game, about four rebounds a game, seven assists, two steals, and 2.6 uh, uh, threes per game. So uh, essentially identical percentages between field goal percentage and three-point percentage, which uh, you'll notice is going to be a little bit of a trend in this episode. Uh, <laughs> why, yes. why, why is that, you might ask? Is he exclusively well, taking three-pointers right now? Yeah, I kind of I love him. He's, uh, he's basically early career or mid-career Kyle Lowry now. I like it. It's a... Uh, Uh, the chubbiest backcourt in the league, putting up very similar (laughs) stats. (laughs) So uh, Van Vliet, uh, half of his attempts are coming from three. Uh, His true shooting percentage is a healthy 56%, despite a a very low 41% from the field. And that's what counts for fantasy, of course. But, uh, you know, his game is not for every build, but you'll gladly take that trade-off in fantasy. Um, He's got, uh, a lot of people have made a point of this, he's got a steal rate that may look out of control, but this is actually a positive regression. Uh, last year, uh, Van Vliet only had uh, 0.9 steals per game. Uh, but, you know, fantasy proponents of Van Vliet have long suspected that last year was an aberration. He's always had an elite steal rate dating back to his four years at Wichita State. He averaged 1.5 in college and over 1.6 uh, per 36 in three years as a, as a pro, excluding last season. Uh, so this is actually more in line with what we expected. Could it come down from two more towards that 1.6 you were mentioning? I think so, but that would still put him uh, above average as a steals contributor for the season. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, so I, 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 this is a, a stat to trust, and the deflection rates for him back up the production. He's fourth in the NBA in steals, uh, but he's also fifth in deflections. So these aren't fluky uh, numbers. So um, is there... Is there any reason to think that the percentages change at all? It feels like those are pretty well locked in. Yeah, he's never been a high uh, percentage shooter. And the fact that he's shooting, what is it, like 66% of his shots from three uh, or something like that. Um, yeah, it kind of it, it kind of points to his uh, field goal percentage staying low. Uh, and there's also the fact that, uh, you know, uh, Lowry's been back and playing minutes in the upper 30s, which will certainly sink his value somewhat. But I'm... Cautiously optimistic. So he's at 17 now. Where does he, where does he go from here? Because 17, as sustainable as, as a lot of these numbers actually are, uh, you know, the, the stuff is not that far off. And obviously he played a bunch of games in there without Kyle Lowry. Uh, where, where does he go just in terms of what does slightly less opportunity mean for him? That's probably the best way to phrase it. So this is the weird thing with him. While Kyle Lowry was active uh, at the beginning of the season, he was also mired in a terrible slump where he was shooting 35% uh, from the field. So we kind of have to throw those numbers out the window uh, because that's not really indicative of the type of player he is. However, on the other hand, nearly is uh, neither is the player that he's been without Lowry, who's, you know, he was a top 10 player for a month there. Um, so we kind of have to... Uh, 
measure the the Van Vliet with that, with Lowry out with the slumping Van Vliet playing alongside Lowry early on in the season, who, by the way, was still a top 50 performer. Uh, so I'm thinking um, that his new expectation should be somewhere in between that uh, initial top 50 ranking and, of course, this like highly inflated top 20 ranking that he has now. Okay, so what in terms of something actionable here with Lowry, are you targeting... Are, well, I guess maybe I should start with the quick question. Are you selling if you have him right now, or are you riding it out? The thing with Fred Van Vliet, and Lowry to some extent, but I'm also very uh, wary of Lowry's um, injury history, yeah. uh, is that uh, they've got volume that not a lot of players in the NBA have right now. I think they're both playing over 36 minutes a game this season. Yeah, it's crazy high. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it's very dangerous. I think Nick Nurse is playing with fire. A lot of people have made mention. We've already seen Lowry get hurt, and now Van Vliet suffered a bit of a freak injury. But uh, it, it is worrisome. But if I had to pick between the two, Van Vliet would be the the, the person I'd, I'd put my money on. Um, I would see him uh, uh, about top 45, top 50, uh, given the volume. Okay. Uh, the thing is, the return of, uh, on investment was so great. He had an ADP of 111. So I'm really not sure. I mean, you have to be getting back a top 25, top 30 player in return in, or, in order for me to pull the trigger. He, uh, um, along with Kyle Lowry and Pascal Siakam, actually, three of the top five in the league in minutes played to, to this point in the year on a per-game basis, I should say. Obviously, Lowry missed a, a dozen games in there. James Harden is number one. Bradley Beal is number three. Those are the other guys uh, in that top five with Van Vliet, Lowry, and Siakam. Uh, again, looking back at, at some of the numbers you were mentioning there, it, it seems to me like you saying if you can get anybody inside the top 40 back, it's not a bad idea to do it. Maybe start, would you start by targeting some way, someone closer to 25 or 30 and then slowly working your way down the list? This feels like it could be a worthwhile kind of one to two week process of really of kind of weeding out the best possible trade avenues because as good as he's been 17 is probably the high watermark yeah no, definitely and and really when i'm when i use the word sustainable uh uh you know i'm often accused of like making predictions about players when really my goal is to manage uh, and adjust expectations so when I say sustainable, I don't mean that the player will remain exactly at his current level of production, but that his play has produced data that kind of a, a, aligns with what we've suspected about this person's statistical profile. Right. So that moves up both his floor and his ceiling. Yeah, and so then we're talking about instead of where if you were saying it was unsustainable, then you're looking at more of like an exponential drop-off, whereas if it's a sustainable set of numbers, as the minutes come down, well, then the production comes down, but it's really more linear than a than a steep drop. It's it's just a slow it's a slow walk down a shallow hill as opposed to tumbling headfirst off a cliff. Yeah, uh, exactly. But with Van Vliet, um, I, I trust I trust him more than most players because two of his most valuable categories also happen to be one of the scarcest. So that's steals and assists. Those are hard to find, and uh, this uh, wacky fantasy formula really values those two categories and the other thing is um his per 36 numbers outside of steals are pretty much in line with what he's done for his career so so that's a large sample size that we can trust per minute perfect who's the next sustainable i believe this one is actually one you're less enthusiastic about yeah, it's sustainable, but it's uh, not in a good way. It's kind of a downer because this was oh, one of my favorite breakout candidates uh, during draft season. That's Shy Gilgis Alexander, who's mm. currently, I mean, don't look now. It's kind of embarrassing, but he's ranked <laughs> 132 for the season. Uh, no, don't don't be embarrassed. Don't, don't be shy. Yeah, it's been, uh, you see what I did there, by the way? Um <laughs> thank you yeah i wanted to let that one really sink in um yeah it's been it's been weird we actually talked a little bit about him on the wednesday show as well uh just in terms of this this big volume bump for him this year has crushed him in a lot of categories that were supposed to be positives and then turned out to be negatives and the fact that you put him in your sustainable category breakdown here makes me think you don't think those percentages are changing anytime soon? 
I just don't see him as a natural two guard. And I think a lot of uh, people would agree with me. I think that's hurt him more than it's helped him this season. Um, so, so, uh, and really it's, uh, kind of the, the, the statistical profile that he demonstrated last year and to a certain extent that he, uh, demonstrated in college as well, uh, was kind of like we were drafting him as this do it all combo guard who would fit any build, right? He was a net neutral or net positive in basically every category. Uh, given his strong percentages, pretty average uh, scoring, decent rebounding and defensive numbers from a guard. Mm -hmm. Uh, But this season, he's been a net negative in every single fantasy category except points. Yikes. Eight out of nine. That's a tough one. Yeah. Uh, And and then points. You know, nobody saw that coming. Everybody's like, well, he's not going to. He's a good punt uh, punt assist, punt point uh, point guard. And it's like, eh. No, as it turns out, he's this (laughs) other guy. Can the field goal percent come back at all? I mean, it's not like he's still chucking away from downtown. There's a few more three-pointers now. But overall, it just seems like as part of a starting unit where he's expected to do more, he's just, he hasn't been comfortable. And, I mean, looking at some of his game logs recently, he had a good one against Minnesota, but who doesn't? Uh, mm-hmm. And he had a, a you know a decent one, but not great against Denver, which was, I guess, a better outlook but other than that if you look back at his last you know dozen games that's a lot of contests where he's shooting 31 34 33 percent on pretty high volume how is it possible that all of those non three-pointers aren't going in right now I mean like his three-point percentage didn't didn't, really didn't change that much year over year uh yeah, uh, the three point. Uh, if only he, uh, we could blame the three point percentage, then we'd actually have like a culprit, you know. Yeah. But, but in, no. in this case, he's actually like his shot types are pretty similar to last year in that he's shooting almost fifty percent of his shots at the rim. Uh, the big difference is that he's been a putrid finisher this year. So while last year he was uh, shooting 60% uh, at the rim as a rookie, this year he's at 51. Mm. Can that change midseason, or do you think this is a factor of going up against better starting caliber defenses, or is it a weird mixture of both? This is the thing, This and this is the, why I hate it when analysts uh, suggest that uh, fantasy managers draft a player hoping on a trade, hoping that... Chris Paul gets moved and he gets and shy gets moved up to his natural point guard position um, because I just don't see him succeeding uh, uh, at the two uh, this year. I think that he'll get it turned around because he's still very young. And I also happen to subscribe to the idea that maybe we were targeting shy a year too early uh, this mm. season. I hope you're right. By the way, I love post hype guys. I, I hope he gets drafted at like 90 next year and then goes bananas. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I'm expecting him to finish. I'm I'm expecting him to finish around the 90 spot because while I do think uh, that he is a buy low candidate, and I do think that he will improve. I don't think that his role in this offense is conducive to a top 50 finish like some people had predicted in the industry. So, but by the time that he's posting uh, those, you know, top 60, top 70 numbers maybe even top 50 numbers at the end of the season, it may be too late to uh, actually pull his overall numbers up. Is there anyone else on this team that could get moved besides Chris Paul that would potentially save Shea quickly? Or is he really the one big piece and also arguably the most difficult player in the NBA to trade? (laughs) Yeah, I don't think he gets moved this season because whoever, whatever contender needs Chris Paul's services now, uh, are they willing to pay for this year and also the next two? Oh, you know, so for, much for a thirty-four-year-old. He's, he's yeah, it's still another eighty million after this year. Uh, I mean, yeah, uh, it, it's I understand com- uh, commitment to winning, but that's a commitment to basically retiring Chris Paul in your jersey and I don't think there's a lot of teams willing to do that right now no and the Thunder have 9,000 first round picks so you know it's not like there's this massive impetus to go try to collect more they're gonna run out of roster spots uh for for draftees at this Gallo is the guy that seems like the easy one to move on that team at least in terms of I you know I put air quotes around easy no one's simple to make a trade but expiring contract good score uh that has a lot of appeal compared to you know, 35-year-old aging point guard signed for $120 million. Um, What about unsustainable? Can we pivot into the 
let's see. If we're if we're keeping the change on the first two guys, are we giving the change back on the other two? Yes, this okay. is unsustainable, but uh, positively that I expect positive change from from this following player. That's, that's you've done an interesting thing here, by the way. You've created like a weird cognitive break where we have to hear something in our mind as unsustainable, which I think generally has a negative connotation. But you're actually saying something is unsustainable that is currently a bad stat. So you've double negatived us here. Uh, but yeah, who, bound, who, who's the guy to improve? Uh, I'll, I'm sorry. I just I hate sports cliches, so I just I can't help myself. <laughs> <laughs> so who's who's our guy who's uh, unsustainably bad in something right now? Uh, Devonte Graham, who's ranked number 63 on the season, and he's good already. Uh, he has been great uh, the past two weeks. Past two games, not so much. He'll sink your field goal percentage. But uh, to those of you who plucked Devonte Graham off the, the free agency. Uh, don't worry. I don't see Graham's reign as a top 70 asset ending anytime soon. Uh, but while Graham has been a surprise this season, his current statistical profile overwhelmingly matches uh, the large four-year sample that he provided at Kansas. So really, this had been kind of a long time coming. I wasn't on to Graham. Uh, I don't know. Were you? Nobody, nobody was. In fact, I, and I, I can go back and I can probably play my podcast after the first Hornets game of the year <laughs> where I said, Devontae Graham looked great off the bench. And I remember him actually looking pretty good behind Kemba Walker for just these brief stretches last year. Yeah. Uh, and then I thought, keep an eye on that guy. And of course, you know, he had one big line. Everybody picked him up. And I thought, surely I can wait to see if it happens twice. And no, you, you couldn't really. I, I didn't move fast enough. It was one of those lessons that, you know, the first week of the season is such a tough one because you're trying to get a sample size to figure out who to drop to pick up guys. And for me, it was kind of like I needed to see one more. A bunch of my guys hadn't even played yet when he had his good game. Uh, and, you know, I waited one day too long. So, yeah, I, I, I have zero Devontes and I'm very, <laughs> very upset about it. Well, he had nine threes in that breakout game. So it, it kind of it looked like a fluke, you know, to a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, but, but then he did it like, you know, six more times. <laughs> You're like, oops, I probably should have. Yeah, he had, uh, what did he, he had? He had 23 and eight in their season opener. Uh, mm -hmm. And I thought, hmm, that's pretty good. But he came off the bench and Rozier didn't play that well. And then he played 28 minutes again. And by that point, he was gone. It was too late. I mean, literally two days. You, if you waited two days, you waited too long. But tell me, so what you're saying here is that he's been good and he could be better? Slightly better. Enough? Well, let me get to the, <laughs> let okay, me get okay. to the point. Yeah. His three-point percentage, it's increased. Uh, while it's increased this year by, uh, by a third in, in terms of attempts, it's exactly the same this season as it was uh, in college. He's, so he shot 41% for his career in college, and he's doing it again in the pros. Uh, we didn't quite see that last year. He's taking uh, nine threes a game. Yes, yes. And he's shooting it at the exact same clip that he did in college. And he was a good three-point shooter in college. So that is very encouraging for his rest-of-season value. However, Dan, what has yet to translate are his steals. Yeah, just .8 so far this year. Although I feel like he's been better than that lately, if I'm remembering correctly. He has. He's also had a, a lot of weird two-block games sprinkled in, but we're not going to talk about that here. Uh, <laughs> so that would, be un uh, that would be unsustainable in the bad way. Probably not going to yeah. stick. Yeah, yeah. But no, he's never been an elite steals guy, but he was a consistent 1.5 per game guy over his uh, three seasons as a starter for the Jayhawks. Uh, during his rookie season in the NBA, he was at 1.2 per 36 uh, but uh, and his deflections were smack dab in the middle of Steph Curry and Donovan Mitchell. Huh. Uh, so so both of whom cleared the 1.3 steal mark per game last season with a very similar minutes load uh, when compared to Graham this year. So we're talking about 34 minutes a game or so. So the the Hornets have been one of the more surprising slow teams in the league this year, which I think have depressed his steal opportunities. Of course, fewer possessions per game. Um, but uh, I'm I'm kind of uh, very hopeful because uh, their their current personnel doesn't really fit the, this slow pace. So I think that at at some point during the second half of the season, when they commit more to player development, I think they're going to run more. And uh, you know, higher pace, we already know. Look at the Pelicans leads to more defensive stats. 
He, over the last two weeks, is the number 15 player in fantasy despite shooting a high-volume 37%. That's pretty amazing. Can I also ask you about one other thing, and I think this is on your list, so I'm sort of segueing into it almost by accident. Um, He's shooting a lower percentage in total than he is on three-pointers. So, I'm, you know, I'm not a genius over here, but that would tell me he's actually shooting a lower percentage on twos than he is on threes. He hadn't been shooting twos almost at all. He had been a drive-and-kick guy almost all season until the last couple of weeks. Uh, the last couple of weeks, he's actually getting to the rim, getting to the foul line, and when he goes to the foul line, he's up to about six attempts per game in the last two weeks he's making 82 percent of the shots and that's where the where the improvement comes from so you would actually consider Devonte graham almost a little bit of a buy low yeah he's like a a, a baby lillard uh, <laughs> and, and that team that team belongs to him that is his team so a minuscule jump from 0.8 steals per game to something like one or 1.1 1. 1, uh, paired with his already improving free throw attempts and free throw percentage on you know very good volume and efficiency, uh, I think you've got the makings of a top 50 asset rest of season. And wow. I know that doesn't seem like a large jump, but just remember that number 48 is the cutoff for 12-team keeper leagues. Shout out to everybody who plays keeper leagues. <laughs> if, you're, if you're going four deep, that's... um. That's really interesting. So uh, I'm looking at a couple of the guys on my list here in front of Devontae. I, I, I want to I dig into this one just a tiny bit more because I think this is a really cool topic that we haven't covered at all on this podcast, and that is what, what can Devontae Graham be? Uh, a couple of names that are sitting in front of him in overall rankings right now. Danilo Gallinari, Marcus Morris, Will Barton, P.J. Tucker, uh, Kelly Oubre Jr., are those guys you'd you'd give up for Devonte Graham? Are any of them too much? Are they too little? I mean, I, he's been such a fun guy to own. I feel like he's going to be a tough dude to pry away from somebody. I mean, I know your feelings for PJ Tucker, but Dan, you, you'd have to let him go for Graham. I would. Yeah, I think I would. I, I think yeah. I'd have so. To. Yeah. So people like uh, PJ Tucker, even somebody like, um, even if he's. Uh, bound to give you like another week or or two weeks of production spencer dinwiddie is one i would throw for graham immediately oh yeah absolutely got to do that quick real quick yeah um all right so start thinking about it folks start considering how you can get your hands on Devontae graham because he could be even better uh you have one other unsustainable player and this is actually less of a cognitive jump unsustainable because Things are going to get a tiny bit worse. Who's this guy? I mean, it's already, uh, we already know who, we kind of already know who this player is, but props to him, just like I did with uh, Brandon Ingram in the last episode. You know, I hate to pile on somebody who looks like they're finally putting all together, but Jalen Brown. Oh, you're going to pick on my Cal Bear? <laughs> I didn't know you were from Cal. Oh, it's I'm fine. sorry. It's fine. He's a Celtic. Uh, so I'm a, I'm a Laker <laughs> fan and a Cal Bear fan. It, I'm, I have trouble with this one. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Committed uh, to LA. Yeah, it's it's um Okay, so uh Jalen Brown. I, I mean obviously I'm taking us off course a tiny bit here. He's number fifty two in nine cat right now, shooting fifty percent from the field, uh seventy three percent at the free throw line. I know that was an area that had been an issue for him in seasons past. Mm-hmm. Um you know, the opportunity's obviously been a lot bigger. Gordon Hayward mysteriously out with a foot injury all of a sudden now. It seems like one or two guys has been pretty consistently hurt for the Celtics. That would be my argument to sell high, but I'm pretty sure you have another one because my argument has nothing to do with actual unsustainability. So what's your argument for why he's kind of a sell guy? Uh, that's uh, that's one of the, the arguments for sure. It's like, uh, you know, Kemba Walker's been out. Marcus Smart has been out. Uh, Gordon Hayward's been out. It seems like they have like a carousel of centers who, well, low you know, low usage guys, but still a lot of people have been out uh, over the course of the past uh, month, which is when Jalen Brown has uh, taken off. And um, yeah, we know he's a great finisher at the rim, but two thirds of his scoring output depends on such plays. So we're we're like he, if his uh, two point shots don't go in, he's a net negative in basically every category. He's at, 
I'm looking at some of his numbers now. He's at seven rebounds a game. Can that keep up? I don't think to, I think that's highly inflated by their um, their center situation as well. But also they've been missing uh, pretty good rebounders from the lineup, including their centers, uh, which I think is a position they're going to address at some point this season. So you're so, looking at uh, the list of guys now. I mean, we just talked about dudes nearby to Devontae Graham. Would you trade Jalen Brown to get Devontae Graham back? For sure. I'd do that in a heartbeat. Uh, I, mm. I'd try to get, um, you know, Mitch Robinson right now, who's finally, it looks like he's putting it all together. Uh, somebody like, uh, I don't know, he's not very sexy, but somebody like Brooke Lopez, who's like really by low right now, would be on my list. Um, although all these trades would drastically change the build of, of your team. So yeah, that's something true. to consider. <laughs> But I, I just the thing about the the thing about Jalen Brown is that his statistical profile is so fragile, you know, for any player like compared to any player in the top 50, typically players inside the top 50 contribute at least one elite category. And in Brown's case, he's been a strong net positive in points, threes and field goal percentage. And the threes are somewhat new. So basically all category, all scoring uh categories i just say categories that i just uh, uh divulge my uh uh favorite board game yeah we uh we just started playing um Candyland with uh with my kiddo i i was i don't want to, I, don't, I was never the best at categories uh is that really your favorite board game no no <laughs> uh, i'm well, more of a uh, i'm more of a, a Catan sort of guy ah settlers of Catan. yeah i I didn't play that until a couple years ago, but uh, it's a that's a fun one. I was really a Monopoly guy growing up. Um, I like I like the numbers of it. Um, okay, so give me some quick hits now. We did this last time. We'll do it again. One player for each of the eight statistical categories, not turnovers. That is either sustainable or unsustainable. Uh, field goal percent. I'll give you a category. You give me a guy. Uh, a four, uh, the aforementioned Brooke Lopez, he's shooting 35% um, a field goal percentage over the past month. That should be his three-point percentage. So once he figures that out, he'll jump from the top 100 or so value that he is back into the top 40, 50 or so. By low, free throw percent. What do we got there? So we got two who are actually similar uh, you know, net neutrals in free throw percentage. D'Angelo Russell and Drew Holiday are hovering at around 60% free throw percentage on you know, not small volume over the past month. Uh, they're going to be better. They're still not going to be positives, but they're not going to hurt you. Yeah, what happened to Drew Holiday? He wasn't a bad foul shooter as recently as like two and a half years ago. Yeah, these two guys, Russell and Holiday, if it's not one thing, it's another. Like, uh, they, they just can't get their act straight this season. This is the darndest thing. I mean, Drew Holiday was an 84% foul shooter in 2015. He was 79 two years ago. He's all over the map, and he's at 68 this year. That's super weird. Um, man, we're seeing a lot of that. Guys that just, like, have these massive diversions uh, in there. Like, Hassan Whiteside with his 44% last year, and now he's back into the high 70s. What the hell's going? <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, I got a, a, a rant for another day. Yeah. Um, oh, Westbrook. Westbrook. Oh yeah, he's back What's into the on? high 70s. He's back. It's everything's fine. It's just like, oh yeah, I just you know I needed to put on a different uniform. Um, Marcus, or sorry, I gave away the name because you gave me the list already. Three pointers. Your guy is Marcus Morris. Well, this is a giveaway anyway, Dan. This is a uh, 56% three-point uh, shooting in November, and uh, he's getting all the usage he can handle for some reason. I'm pretty <laughs> sure they're going to commit to other people at some point this season. You ride Marcus. I, I get a lot of questions about, like, do I drop Marcus Morris? Like, no. You ride him while he's providing, you know, top 60 value. But as soon as that's gone, you drop him. Nobody's going to trade for him. Yeah, he's a tough guy to sell. Uh, and I'm trying to also in a league where I had to end up punting threes, which makes him relatively useless for my team in that one. But I can't <laughs> I can't drop a guy inside the top 60. You got to at least go get like a top 80 guy back for him. That's uh, that's, you know, not hitting a bunch of three pointers. Uh, good free throw percent this year for Marcus Morris, too. You just you're never going to get equal value back uh, scoring points. Who we got in that one? That's another gimme. Uh, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, 24 oh, yeah. points per game over the past month. Uh, we don't know how serious this Kyrie thing is, uh, but Karis Levert's also coming back. That's going to put a, a slight dent on him. The thing is, he's been the 14th most valuable uh, uh, player for points over the past month. 
even without those players in the lineup, I doubt that continues. Yeah, and I mean, we can go back and, and you know, I'll, I'll take all the heat on this one because I was sort of out on Dinwiddie uh, after the first, whatever it was, two to three weeks when um, when Kyrie Irving was healthy. But if you go back to that sort of early season date range, Dinwiddie wasn't very good. He was like number he's, 140 in that time span. Uh, he's not. I might catch some flack, but he's not a very good fantasy player. He's a bit of a chucker, too. Uh, this is, uh, yeah, I mean, everybody gets their uh, 15 minutes in the uh, of fame, I guess. Let me see if uh, I can figure out where the heck he was exactly over that stretch. Uh, he was not, he wasn't inside the top 200 over that uh over that first two weeks of the season. Not inside the top 200 when he was the third fiddle on that team. So I'm not going to beat myself up too much, but I will beat myself up a little because uh, Kyrie Irving ended up missing whatever it is now. We're at like, what, four or five weeks and counting all of a sudden? But uh, yeah, anyway, that one's a massive, massive sell high. Uh, Rebounds. What about rebounds? Uh, So this is a buy low candidate. Uh, I'm not a big fan, but Lowry Markkinen... um, He's at six rebounds per game this uh, this season over the past month, uh, where he's been up and down. Uh, he's been improving, but this is just a reminder that if nothing else, Lowry is a strong rebounder. He's averaged nine for his career, and he averaged twelve for a little over a month during that hot February stretch last year. Um, you wouldn't, of course, trade for him only for the rebounds. You're hoping that he puts up the points and everything else that he has uh, traditionally done. But yeah, he's not this bad of a rebounder. Totally agree. Uh, assists. You've got two names. I got two names. They're in similar situations, and they kind of have similar fantasy games. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, Markel Fultz and Dejounte Murray, both of which uh, had a 25 minutes per game cap that was recently lifted. Um, uh, Markel Fultz. I think it was uh, over. Two weeks ago, and uh, DeJounte just uh, barely a week ago, and he's been putting up really good numbers. So they they were averaging 4.2 assists on on those 25 minutes. Uh, But now with the promise of more playing time, I can see them scratching six, which would make them uh, very valuable uh, for that category in fantasy. And they're both relative bylows as well. Murray in particular uh, on that one, at least from my perspective, because we really haven't seen him get the opportunity, whereas... Uh, and the Spurs are so old. They need him badly. With the Magic, you know, there's still a few dudes in the pecking order that, that Fultz sort of has to jump over a little bit. Um, Steals. Steals, uh, this might seem weird that he's on this list, but Robert Covington, he's oh, only at 1.4. Yeah, you, you brought in one of my favorites just in life. You, you're, you touch my heart with old Rob Cove. Yeah, uh, he's at only 2.2 combined defensive stats, which sounds great, but it's actually pretty low for him. Yeah, give me another player who we'd feel that way about, uh, you know, where 1.4 steals per game is bad. He's, his <sighs> minutes are a little bit lower. Um, is, as Minnesota maybe tries to keep him a tiny bit healthier this year, could that be partially responsible, or is the, is the rate down as well? No, he's actually top five in the deflections per minute. So mm. he's he's up there and he's doing what he does on defense. I think the fact of uh, him being a stretch four now uh, full time is bothering him. He's having to guard bigger bodies. Uh, so he's just another one of these victims of uh, sliding down a position just like Shea. Uh, I do expect his uh, steals to pop right uh, back up, not to the heights that, uh, that they were at last year. But that deflection rate suggests that it should be higher than 1.4. And just quietly, he's number 50. So with all of these things that you could call kind of going a tiny bit wrong, he's still solid. Uh, And finally, blocks. Uh, I'm not sure you're going to believe this, but over the past month, CJ McCollum has been averaging 1.1 block per game. Over one? 1.1 block per game. Oh, look at that. He's actually a 0.8 on the year. I don't think I ever would have noticed that. That's really high. <laughs> that is ridiculous. He's mixed in three, three plus block games in that stretch, including one four block game. His career is uh, 0.4 per game in about 34-ish minutes per game. He's up almost double this year. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, this sell-high window uh, has already closed because Damian Lillard's playing uh, a little bit better. Uh, and you're never going to see, I don't think you're ever going to see CJ McCollum uh, uh, over one block a game again for a whole month. No. And so I guess the question then to finish off our discussion today is, you know, McCollum, re- 
relatively safe fantasy asset, even if the blocks are going to come down. Are you just looking for someone else that's pretty close to him in the rankings that's maybe better suited to stay right there? Like maybe a uh, Demonis Sabonis, he's very close to him. Uh, Zach Levine, almost the exact same fantasy profile, but, you know, basically McCollum without the blocks. So what what would you be looking for if you were going to try to move CJ? Yeah, I, I really like uh, uh, Sabonis. He was actually going to be part of this segment er- earlier, but I thought, too boring. So, uh, <laughs> so target Sabonis. Uh, his per 36s are pretty much in line with last year, except that this year he's actually getting those 36 minutes, so you're going to want him. Uh, I've targeted, uh, and I've mentioned it before in this pod, I, I'm targeting Devontae Graham everywhere just because the, the stats that he provides are so valuable. Uh, and yeah, uh, or, or somebody like, uh, D'Angelo Russell, uh, as well. Although you, you'd have to deal with some random rest days. I'd rather have D'Angelo Russell's ceiling than CJ McCollum's uh, floor. All right. Beautiful. Pedro, that was amazing. What a segment. You may have actually convinced me to start doing some digging on, uh, who's got Devonte Graham in my leagues. <laughs> well, uh, that's what I'm here for, man. I'm, I, I love him. I wish I would have drafted him, uh, in a dynasty league, but I ended up with a Kendrick Nunn. I can't, be- I can't believe I watched that first game happen and thought, I remember this guy being pretty good as a backup for Kemba for like the one game Kemba didn't play and then didn't do anything about it. Oh, well, live and learn. He is Pedro N. N, as in Nancy, as in Noodle. What is your middle name? Noel, I think I'm looking at your Twitter handle. There you go. Uh, yeah, it's Noel. It's, Pedro, uh, Noel. It's Christmas season. That's right. Noel to all and Adoreste to all as well. Pedro and Doreste on Twitter. Uh, D-O-R-E-S-T-E. Find him. Follow him. He is filled with brilliance on the fantasy side. He is our assistant editor here at HoopBall, and he is a provider of Keep the Change on Fantasy NBA Today. Uh, can we do it again soon? Oh, for sure. Uh, whenever whenever I uh, it takes me a while to dig up these stats, but this is what I do. Yeah, that's a, I don't want to make you do it too often because this is like serious prep work on your side. How about we say two weeks? For sure. I mean, I, I, I could pile on Jalen Brown for two weeks. If you'd like. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to end our segment by just saying go Bears, and that's how uh, uh, close that bad boy out. Go Bears. Uh, Pedro, thanks, my man. We'll talk to you soon. All right. See you, Dan. Pedro and... Doris Day. Great stuff. Didn't I tell you that was going to be a good segment? I feel like I was right on this one. Not always right, but right on this one. Uh, If you're enjoying the show, if you're enjoying Fantasy NBA today, please, please, please drop a five-star review on us on iTunes. We will love you forever. iTunes are the podcast app on your Apple-branded mobile device. I mean, I suppose you can review us anywhere if you're listening uh, on YouTube or Stitcher or Spotify or iHeart or whatever service it is. Please drop a nice whatever the maximum number of stars or thumbs-ups is you can give, it really, it makes a massive difference. Subscriptions and reviews, that's how we move up the charts. That's how we continue to expand. So thank you in advance for those that uh, will be doing that shortly, and a big thank you to everybody that has done it already. We're at something like 374 reviews, more than I ever could have imagined when we started this show a couple years ago. Uh, The Wednesday card. Let's break this sucker down and get us into Thursday and get you back to your day. Chicago won in Washington in overtime. Um, And this is a pretty easy one on the Chicago side. The starters all played pretty well. Done and done. Washington. Davis Bertans got the start with Achimura out for a couple of weeks. Had 26 points and seven three-pointers. He's been on an unbelievable roll. Uh, the guy we were watching was uh, Isaiah Thomas, who played 31 minutes at a usage rate of 27 second most on the team. That's all we care about. I know he didn't hit his shots. He's not going to be a field goal percent boon to your fantasy team at any point along the way. But you just love the fact that he took 15 shots, second most, tied for second most on the team behind Bradley Beal. That's a very positive sign going forward that he's ready to rumble. Uh, he's not just trying to coexist anymore. He's actually trying to get his a little bit. Toronto lost Marcus Gasol and Norman Powell in a road win at Detroit. Uh, it was good to see Andre Drummond come back from avocado eye. Blake Griffin dragged his leg up and down the court for 33 minutes, which seems like a bad decision. And Christian Wood uh, hurt his knee in this ballgame. But, oh, by the way, Derrick Rose is playing pretty well again. I, I feel like maybe he was dealing with something. His minutes were down. Now they're they're back up into the high 20s again. A uh, couple of notes on this Detroit side, and then we'll talk about Toronto's injury. Uh, number one, 
and I, I said it before, I feel like I got lumped into the general fantasy community on the Christian Wood thing. I'm one of the few people that's saying you don't need to do anything with him until two guys are out on Detroit. This is a Dwayne Casey situation. He wants Markeith Morris and Thon Maker to get minutes somehow. It's stupid, I know, but it's reality. So we have to react to what's actually happening. When Dre and Griffin were both out, Wood was going to get big minutes. If just Griffin misses time, Markeith Morris gets the start, and Wood probably plays about 22 off the bench, which is close, close to fantasy value, but not quite all the way to where we want it to be. If two guys are out, they almost have no choice. Now, of course, he got hurt. We'll see how long that keeps him out. But I've been very much on the stream them if two guys are out bandwagon, and everybody's like, Dan, your guy is failing. And I'm like, what are you talking about, my guy? My guy, my guy that's failing right now is Daniel House. I mean, I'll take the hit where, I, where my guy is not playing well. Uh, but Christian Wood was never my guy. He's just a high-per-minute dude that doesn't see the minutes unless the road is completely paved before him. So let's get this straight. He's going to start ending up on some waiver wires, which is great news because I've been very patient with it. I don't want to get him until the time is right. And at some point, Blake Griffin's probably going to have to get shut down because he doesn't look right at all. He looks completely hurt. I mean, two rebounds in 32 minutes, this is not... I know Drummond gets all of them, but the fact that he got out-rebounded by Langston Galloway, Derek Rose, Tony Snell, Bruce Brown, do we need to know more? We do, we do not need to know more. Uh, so keep an eye on that situation. I, I think we're going to get an opportunity at some point down the line. We're just not quite there yet. On the Toronto side, oh, by the way, and uh, Luke Kennard, he, he'll trend down as long as Blake Griffin is playing. Toronto losing Marcus Soule, there's a pretty obvious one-to-one situation going on there. And it's Serge Ibaka, who we had talked about a bunch on this podcast as kind of being on his last leg for us. But I held on because he had one good ball game mixed in there, and thank goodness we did because now he's going to play 30 minutes a game with Gasol out, and he's just going to go yakko for a week or two. Glorious. I don't know that there's an obvious one-to-one deal with Norman Powell. We saw Patrick McCaw take most of his minutes yesterday, but you'll probably just see safer minutes for OG Ananobi. Freddie Van Fleet should be back some point soon, presumably before Powell, but maybe they're hiding something with Freddie that is keeping him out a bit longer than just a contusion. Uh, but I'm not picking up Patrick McCaw. His his, uh, his his stat set doesn't really support it. Triple-double for Kyle Lowry, by the way. So uh, even though he's not hitting shots, he's, he's managing to do other stuff. Cleveland got a rare win. Kevin Love played okay. And uh, Colin Sexton wasn't horrible. And Tristan Thompson made two free throws. And that was apparently enough against a Charlotte team that uh, got a pretty good game from Terry Rozier. But not much else in this one. Malik Monk, who uh, went big in his last one, got hurt in this one. Not that that really makes that much of a difference, but they needed somebody else. And uh, the only other note, really, on this one is, well, two. I mean, we talked about Devontae Graham earlier in this podcast, and this created maybe a little bit of a buy low because he's been slumping hard with his shooting lately. Uh, and that'll bounce back to some more reasonable mark than 19%. But Cody Zeller has been really good as the starting power forward for this team. So you stream away on that one. You could probably even stream Marvin Williams if you wanted to. He's going to hit you some threes. He'll get you a few rebounds. Sometimes he'll, you know, tumble into some defensive stats, and he's never going to turn the ball over. You know, you guys know my feelings on Marvin. I don't know that he gets up around 30 minutes in all of these games with no P.J. Washington, but he did in this one. Uh, I'll tell you, as much as I love the dude, I don't think that I have the stones to... Uh, to go grab him. Miami won at Philadelphia. Nice little comeback for the Heat without a great game from Jimmy Butler. It was actually a, a, a cross-section of other Heat that played well. Uh, Bam Adebayo, very good. Again, he uh, made five of his six free throws, so he's been trending up. Kendrick Nunn had 26 points in this ballgame. Duncan Robinson, 15 points. He had three threes, had a block. He's been great. No turnovers for Duncan again. Uh, and Derek Jones Jr., who was uh, questionable with a migraine, ended up playing... Not as great as usual, no defensive stats, but, you know, you sort of take it. We have a pretty good feel, I think, for the Heat right now. Um, and it, for me, it's really Butler, Bam, and Robinson. Uh, and then with half the team hurt, you can probably extend it to Nunn and Harrell as uh, more streamy choices in your deal. 
Philly is back to normal. Uh, the starters played big minutes and all had pretty good lines, and uh, you move on from there. Oklahoma City with a big comeback again. They, they Thunder got to figure out how to get out to quicker starts because they shouldn't have to fight like this against the teams that they should be beating. But in their defense, they're now 13-14, and 14, a game under 500, and in the seventh seed in the West. A uh, game and a half up on the Blazers to, to stay in the playoff race. And, and this is great for us because... We have a lot of Thunder guys that kind of rolled the dice on with this team in the hopes that they would remain in the playoff race, and they have so far. Uh, and the leader of the pack is Chris Paul, who, you know, this is a guy that I really went out on a limb for uh, on this podcast. He's sort of like the Dan guy, and he's been great. He's uh, number 16 on a per-game basis, number 10 by totals, because somehow he's been healthy, knocking on wood again. I mean, there's an injury coming at some point. He's not going to play in 80 games this year, uh, but he's been terrific when he's been on the floor. Shea played better in this one, made all six of his free throws, uh, had four defensive stats. Schroeder's been hot lately. We know how he runs a little hot and cold. And uh, I know Nerlens Noel has been trending down only 18 minutes in this one. Steven Adams, as he's gotten healthy, has seen more playing time. But Noel should still be on fantasy teams. He's number 76 on the year. When he plays 18 to 22 minutes anywhere in that territory... He's a fantasy value. It's not going to be pretty, but he's going to get you percentages, and he's going to get you mostly defensive stats, although uh, not as much in this ballgame, because on the Memphis side, it was an absolute clinic of big men. Jonas Valanciunas, 24-9. and nine. Brandon Clark, 27-7. and seven. Would have loved to see some defensive stats for those dudes, but, uh, you know, you ain't going to fight about it. John Morant, 22-5-7. and seven. They're a fun team. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., foul trouble. The old nemesis creeping back into the mix. New Orleans at Minnesota snapped their losing streak. Minnesota's losing streak continued with no Carl Anthony Towns, so hell has officially frozen over. Uh, Wiggins was solid. Rocco was solid. I think he was late to practice or something, so he came off the bench in this ballgame. Uh, and Jeff T went cold uh, with no Jarrett Culver. He was out, but who cares anyway? New Orleans is the more interesting side. Brandon Ingram was terrific. Uh, we just talked about some of the stuff that is probably going to trend down for him, but not yet, apparently, as he was robust in this ballgame. Three steals a block, three threes, good percentages. I mean, still, go get yourself a top 25 guy and don't have to worry about anything coming off, but he's playing his butt off. Derek Favors, 21 minutes. I was actually, I'll be honest, a little bit surprised to see him raise his minute total in this game on a back-to-back. -back. I thought they'd keep him right at 20 his numbers are pretty linear so far since coming back from the long layoff with a back injury and then the passing of his mother, 15, 19, 20, 21 minutes. The next ball game is tomorrow, Friday, in Golden State. Uh, hopefully he's at 22 to 24, somewhere in that neck of the woods. But he's startable now. Six points, 11 rebounds, a block. He made all four of the things he threw at the hoop. Two field goals, two free throws. And they are markedly better with him on the floor. So I know everybody's like, turn Jackson A's loose, and you're probably right in the long term, but they're just better when Derek Favors is out there. He sets better screens, he protects the rim better, he knows where to be on defense better, he takes up space, he's a better rebounder. There's a lot of things. I mean, we lose sight of stuff at times. Sometimes the old goat, who's frankly actually not that old, but has the knees of an old man, is the better option. And they don't want to lose every single ball game. It's hard to be on a team that loses every game. So I think they're going to try to win for the next two months. They're going to lose a lot because they're not very good. But you'll, you'll see player development become priority numbers one, two, and three uh, after the All-Star break. Orlando lost at Denver. Uh, Jonathan Isaac uh, left with back tightness. And... Uh, it, I believe it was in the third or fourth quarter, right? It was relatively late in this ballgame. He had some foul issues anyway. Hopefully, this is a short-term thing. That's all we can really say. I mean, it, the fact that they're just calling it tightness and nothing more so far is a good sign. But we'll see how it all shakes out. Uh, DJ Augustine had been on one of his weird little heaters. That'll cool off very soon. As soon as you pick him up, he's going to stink. So be forewarned. Denver, now that they're healthy, everything is back to normal, and I don't think we even need to talk about them. Boston beat Dallas on the road. Uh, Dallas put up a pretty good fight, though, shooting only 39% in this ballgame. Very point guard-centric offense for the, the Mavericks. Jalen Brunson didn't shoot the ball well and had no defensive stats, but 10, 7, and 11 with two three-pointers. He's the safe play. 
He blogged 31 minutes. I know Dillon Wright had the more well-rounded fantasy game, but only 17 minutes, uh, just not enough. I, I think you're rolling Brunson until Doncic comes back. Seth Curry's been very good the last couple of ball games. He's rolling hot right now. I, I mean, between he and Tim Hardaway Jr., I'm probably just not messing with either of them, frankly. And in this ball game, the other thing besides Brunson, you know, Delon situation on the Boston side, I was watching Ennis Cantor to see how many minutes he got. He's sort of pushing his way into the 20s here lately because they need somebody that can score a bit around the rim. And it wasn't him in this ball game, but 13 rebounds. He's a very good rebounder, very aggressive on the offensive glass. That gives them uh, kind of an extra look, especially in a game where the shots aren't falling. So in this one, where nobody was hitting an outside look, was a really good time for them to have Cantor near the rim going and trying to clean some stuff up. He's close. I, I don't think that he's an ad yet. Uh, he's going to be probably on a few teams because he has a recognizable name, but he, he should be a, a free agent in at least a handful of your leagues out there. If he stays in that 20 to 24 range, he'll be right on the cusp. But if we can get to 24, then he's a fantasy value. And frankly... You know, with the looks that he gets, they're usually right at the bucket and a 50-some-odd percent shooter. He probably makes more like 5 out of his 10 shots most evenings. And then you're talking about a guy with 12 and 13 on percentages. That's a guy that could be your sort of second or third center just to, to keep things at bay. So keep him on your radar here. Luckily, Boston doesn't have a week off before their next ball game. They play Detroit and a big center tomorrow. And he could be, I'll tell you, if he plays well in that ballgame, I might throw him on a couple of my teams. We're, we're, that, we're at that point. We're close enough. And Golden State and Portland to round things out on the Wednesday night. Uh, my guy Kent Bazemore had a bad one. 29 minutes, though. 1-1-1 uh, one, one one game, but basically nothing else. So you can, there's like the good and the bad there. The good is a steal, a block, and a three-pointer. The bad is literally nothing else. Uh, the other good is 29 minutes. He had some foul issues in the first half. His minutes were a little bit lower. He played more, uh, got a, a bucket down the stretch and a rebound, or it would have been even worse. But his usage is going to be very low on this team. Uh, 9.6 is exceptionally low. I'm hoping it's a tiny bit higher than that most evenings. Uh, but they don't need him to be a scorer. And the hope for us is that he gets up around, you know, maybe nine shots per game instead of six, eight or nine shots. Try to get that the, a rebound or assist somewhere along the way. Uh, I'm still hanging on here a little bit because he came off that that good one the other day, and and you're starting to see a few more steals and blocks. But I understand if the other stuff is is so saggy right now that you just can't even deal with it. I get it. Warrior side, uh, D'Angelo was was better. Um, Draymond was meh, and then this is a team. And I've said it a thousand times. I'll say it a thousand and one. I really want nothing to do with these guys. Uh, I do like Willie Cauley Stein as kind of a defensive field goal percent rebounding specialist. Obviously, D'Angelo is going to be fine when he's in there. He'll be, you know, top 60 range guy. Uh, but I, I, this is that stretch where guys are playing for the Warriors. So I feel like you can still get something. A little. And everybody's like, I can't get anything for these guys. Well, aim lower. That's my, that's my advice on that one. Just aim lower. And finally here, let's take a quick look at the Thursday four-game slate. I know we're, we're running up on an hour here with the pod, and, and hopefully you guys are done with your traffic-filled drives by now. Utah is at Atlanta. Um, curious what Jabari Parker and Kevin Hurd are doing this ballgame. You've seen Parker's minutes trending down, but he has been dealing with an ankle thing. Makes you wonder if that's a, a little part of it. Joe Ingles looks like he might be a rest-of-season value all of a sudden now, so definitely get on that freight train if you can. Anthony Davis questionable for the Lakers. If he's out, obviously you can flip in JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard. If he's in, then they're sort of a two-horse race in L.A. Keeping an eye on Rajon Rondo. He's been decent, if unspectacular at times, and he fits the profile as kind of a specialisty sort. So uh, throw him in the mix just for uh, kind of a, a possibility, but I don't think you have to pick him up. Milwaukee, uh, not really much to, you know, Brooke Lopez has been slumping. Dante DiVincenzo has been pretty good lately, but not a whole lot to really monitor there. Brooklyn, we've got a good feel for until they start to get healthy. San Antonio, we've seen a lot of DeJounte Murray lately. We saw more Derek White in the last ball game. Both of them actually played a little bit more. So uh, we'll continue to monitor that. Houston, my guy Daniel House, I want to see him wake up. Take a few shots, dude. Eric Gordon had an update. He's a couple weeks away now, we think. Uh, so we'll we'll monitor that over the next two to three weeks. 
but obviously not something we need to pay attention to now. And then the Clippers. This is a hell of a TNT day, by the way. Lakers, Bucks, and Rockets, Clippers. Hell yeah, count me in. Great day for watching actual basketball. It's going to be a lot of fun. few angles, uh, fantasy angles in the mix, and uh, hopefully we'll, we'll find something to pull away from it. Uh, big thank you once again to Pedro Doreste, Pedro N. Doreste, if you want to follow him on Twitter, D-O-R-E-S-T-E. I am Dan Bespris. Y'all know that by now. At Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Tomorrow, we'll be talking to Alan Soroki, one of our contributors at HoopBall, and a frequent helper of those in the HoopBall forums. That's your teaser to what we got coming up on tomorrow's show. In addition, we will, of course, have our full Friday week in review, our weekend preview, kind of a... Uh, lightning round in advance and that'll get you set for the weekend of basketball this is fantasy nba today a hoop ball presentation have a great thursday everybody we'll talk to you tomorrow this has been a hoop ball presentation